Sean Sewell with the Engagement.com podcast. Really excited today to have on Kyle Siegel from Raid Research. Now, this Raid Research has been on our radar for at least the last six months. Our fellow Engagement uh, colleague, Aaron Rose, picked up one of their backpacks and is over the moon about it. So I'm really stoked to have the founder of the company, Kyle, on the podcast. Kyle, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Sean. Absolute pleasure. And if you're not familiar with the the Raid uh, backpacks yet, they're getting high praise from such places as Blister, Gear Reviews, um, Powder.com, and other places. Um, it's just a really well thought out backpack specifically for the getting after it backcountry crowd for splitboarders and backcountry skiers. So in this podcast, we're going to go into great detail of how Kyle developed it, the why of why he developed it. And all the fun stuff that goes along with it. So let's let's jump into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, Kyle. So what was the the reasoning to create this backpack? Yeah. So I felt like a lot of products fell into like two sides of what I would call like the gear spectrum, which is like on one side of the spectrum you have the ultralight gear and on the other side of the spectrum you have the like more free ride oriented durable gear and i felt like a lot of skiers and snowboarders were looking for like a healthy balance and i didn't feel like the healthy balance existed and then on top of that like i felt like light packs were often kind of like top loader one pocket designs and I actually felt like light doesn't didn't always make you faster. Like you need to develop a light pack that also is built around how someone flows in the mountains and built to elevate how someone flows in the mountains. So I basically, as a backcountry skier myself, was was really unhappy with the packs and and some other categories of gear like apparel that I was seeing on the market. Um, for someone who cares about the uphill and downhill. So I think like you know, on the light side of the spectrum, that's geared towards someone who is focused on the uphill. And on the other side of the spectrum, you have it focused on the downhill. But I, I want to go fast on the uphill and I want to ski a style on the down. Oh, I can appreciate that. And it's so true. There's so many ultralight um, packs uh, for backpacking, for for, um, for split boarding and backcountry skiing. And then like, you know, I'm used to more relying on more durable, thicker packs that are a lot heavier. So it sounds like you've got a really nice mesh of the best of both worlds there. Yeah, yeah. It was really just trying to nail the balance. And, you know, I almost equate it to like someone putting a schema race binding on like a 1500 foot powder ski. And like, a, like that's the balance that a lot of people like. And I was like, I want to create backpacks and apparel that are kind of achieving that balance where it's like light enough that it's not slowing you down, but featureful enough, functional enough, comfortable enough that you actually enjoy using it. That's great. And I, I see that it's super adjustable too. So you can take parts of the backpack out to make it even lighter um, or to utilize for other purposes. And then the material itself, I mean, Dyneema, it doesn't really get much stronger and lighter than that, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is actually kind of like a new flavor of Dyneema that's being used in the pack. Um, what you see from some of the other brands like Hyperlite is they're using um, 
a Dyneema composite fabric. And that actually has Dyneema sandwiched. Um, it, has a, it has a face fabric sandwich to Dyneema. Um, so the Dyneema isn't actually what's exposed to the outside. And on my pack, I'm using this fabric from a new company called Challenge. They, they, they've been around for a while. They just entered the outdoor space. Um, and uh, the fabric actually has the Dyneema woven together and is the face fabric. Um, the Dyneema is, yeah, is what's facing the outside of the fabric. So it's more durable, um, two times more hair resistant and eight times more abrasion resistant than those Dyneema composite fabrics. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's saying quite a bit right there. Wow. Um, so is the Dyneema, I know it's abrasion resistant, but is it waterproof as well? So Dyneema itself doesn't absorb water, which is cool, but it's woven together. So it's not waterproof. So behind it, there's actually a film and that makes it waterproof. Um, so the bag um, is pretty, it's not waterproof because the seams aren't sealed. And I don't think that's needed in like a snow application, but it's very, very weather resistant. Some uh, people just had it in Patagonia in November on like an 18 day expedition and had some really wet snow and rain. And uh, it was like a photographer and his friend, Thor and uh, Thor was using the pack. The photographer wasn't. The photographer's pack was like soaked inside, and and Thor's pack with the LF forty liter was completely dry inside. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's we so got to cool. say in Colorado, I haven't done much uh, rain testing myself. Right? <laughs> Fortunately, you have that dry snow here. Yeah, but I do notice in the design uh, the roll top. So, you know, I was studying uh, different videos you put out of different ways to utilize the backpack. So the versatility of your pack, uh, the roll top and different ways to configure it. Can we talk about that in a little more detail? Yeah. Um, I really wanted to create what I thought would be kind of like the quiver killer ski pack for backcountry skiing. So it's not meant to be like a resort pack. It's not meant to be something you'd necessarily take uphill for, in the resort for like fitness skinning. Um, but for everything else, I wanted it to nail. And so, yeah, the roll top pretty much lets you, um, lets the volume expand quite a bit on the pack. It goes from a 40 liter to like a 50, 55 liter and with like very little downsides. So typically like the downsides of a roll top are the extra material and that it's slow to like constantly be rolling and unrolling the mm -hmm. pack. Um, but I'm using a really, really light material. And I can get away with that because I also have this cinch top over it when you're not using it. So it's rarely like exposed to the outside unless you're in like what I call like hut trip mode or like expedition mode when you have that roll top fully um, stretched out. And then you have the ability to access the pack through the back panel. Um, so you like don't have to rely on the roll top to get all your stuff in and out. So I usually have the roll top rolled down. I have an extra, you get that extra pocket in between the roll top um, and the cinch top, which takes like the place of, of a lid, which I think is really cool. And if you don't want to use the roll top, 
there's actually a way you can like invert it and roll it outside on itself. And there are these little snaps that snap it down. So you just have a cinch top, the roll top completely out of the way. And that really gets at, you know, one of the design goals, which is like having quick access to your gear makes you faster. That it does. That's really creative. I was thinking about that. So there's no lid. Or, so now you can create your own kind of brain above the roll top. Exactly. And, yeah. Okay. That's a good idea. Yeah. And you get that waterproof divider and the waterproof and the, the roll top can actually be upside down also with a lot of volume. So say you have like equal wet stuff to dry stuff. You have that divider that flexes up and down um, and, and like we keep your wet stuff away from your, your dry stuff, which is great for like a wet rope for example. That's smart. Now, um, Aaron was noticing that the area where you can put your skins also accommodated the plates. So like him and I are hard boot, hard boot split borders. Mm -hmm. So was that an intention or is that just a nice benefit? Yeah. I mean, like it, it fits a lot of things. It was like the intention was just to have, you know, a really flexible pocket that you could dump stuff in without touching a zipper. Yeah. And the, I like the main intention is for your skins, but you don't have to put your wet skins in your main department of your pack. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of stuff. That's, <laughs> he was super stoked on that. Um, nice. Yeah. Good stuff. And then the helmet carry is really cool. Uh, some of the helmet carries we see when we're testing out backpacks, it feel like it's an afterthought and it's flimsy and it's in the way and it's, it packs like extends the volume of the backpack out in the wrong direction. But yours seems to be like a nice, almost on the top kind of thing. Yeah. I, yeah, I really dislike the like strap on helmet carries mm -hmm. of a lot of other brands. And it was really uh, important for me to solve that for a number of reasons. Um, and there are a couple of benefits that I can talk through. So basically, like the roll top or the helmet carry. Um, is integrated right into the pack. So you're never going to lose it. And it creates like a really clean form factor um, of the exterior of the pack. There's pictures on our website with the helmet and the helmet carry. And you almost can't even tell there's a helmet in there. Um, and it keeps it high up. So like if you're diagonally carrying your skis, it uh, they don't like they integrate, it integrates well with the helmet carry. The helmet doesn't get in the way. And then on top of that, because it's on top and it's not like sticking out from the back of the backpack, when you lay the backpack down to open the back panel, it sits flat and it doesn't kind of have that like seesaw on the helmet. Yeah. Um, so you get all those things. And then the last thing is, is really important to me, like with those elastic strap on helmet carries, I never felt like the helmet was secure enough where I could put stuff inside it. Yes. Like, um, namely my crampons and with my helmet carry, like I put my crampons in there when I'm ski mountaineering and it's really nice. Cause then you're gonna have like your sharp crampons in your main compartment, of your pack next to your like soft glass water bottle or your, um, hard shell jacket. Um, and usually, and it's a, for quick transitions too because like you grab your crampons you usually put your helmet on it's all right there it's really nice that's fantastic and i, and I know what you're saying i a lot of the backpacks we've tested the helmet carry i was like i 
I don't feel like I can put my goggles in there even or a pair of gloves. I just didn't trust it. Um, yeah. Totally. It nice and secure. The Avi pocket. <laughs> this is really obviously very important. Uh, from what it looks like, it'll accommodate some big shovels. Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, yeah. Well, one of the biggest things I've done personally to elevate my safety in the mountains is buying a bigger shovel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's, there's debate on this topic. Some people think smaller shovels are better. Some people think bigger shovels are better. Um, the reason people think smaller shovels are better is they think you can do like more frequent shoveling when there's less weight on the blade. I've gone out, I've, I've dug pits with a smaller shovel one day and then a bigger shovel the next day. I did this last year and my pit digging time was like almost cut in half when I got a bigger shovel, especially one that had a hoe mode. So it was really important oh, yeah. to accommodate that and also like try to minimize the negative unused space around a shovel that has like a big scoop and throat. So there's like a hole in the avalanche pocket divider to let that um, go through and like the divider to sit flat against the shovel, which a lot of people have been excited about. Oh yeah. I'm seeing that picture now. I was wondering what that was. Very smart yeah. engineering. Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. I'm a D handle home mode kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> So important. Yeah, it is. So this is, um, what about, there's something that blew my mind and it's something probably really simple to you, but it was the ability to store gloves on the front. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like thinking about like when I designed this pack, it's all about what are like the problems that backcountry skiers have? What are you doing frequently that I could help with? And one of those things is like taking gloves off, touching your phone, right? Like I probably do that 20 times in every tour. Yeah. Um, regrettably, I need to be better about doing that, but, uh, I, I do that. And, you know, like sometimes you throw your gloves in you know, like your layer or on your poles, but it's nice to have something right down your shoulder strap to stick them in. So smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a very thoughtful idea. Um, what else? So you mentioned apparel. Are you, uh, looking to get into that as well? Yeah, we're working on apparel. I'm working on a number of different products Um, and yeah, I'm just trying to really be creative about solving problems and like coming up with innovative products for ski touring. Um, And we're working on a, I'll just hint at like a soft shell based product that I think that I'm personally just extremely excited about. You got my interest for sure. Yeah, you know, in our world, in Engearment, we we test a lot of gear and we have a lot of riders, a lot of backcountry skiers, a lot of split boarders. And so it's fun kind of like getting to uh, pick everybody's brains about what they like about stuff. And it mm-hmm. sounds like you you apply that and uh, and make things better. It's got to feel pretty good. Where did this come from? Where does this ability to adapt and create things come from? Yeah, I mean, my background's in engineering. And I think I... Like, I just think very spatially so I can imagine things in my head and how things interact in my head. And like, I had the picture of the pack in my head before I even like had it on paper. Yeah. And it's like the way it ended up is like pretty close to what I, what I had in my head. Um, and yeah, I'm just like very problems focused 
I think that's like a big part of the brand is like, what are the problems that gear can solve to elevate people's time in the mountains and thinking creatively, not letting cost be a constraint. Um, just trying to make the gear that I've, I've dreamed about as like a backcountry skier for 12 years. Oh, I love it. I'm very fortunate to know quite a few engineers and business owners, and I love watching their process, their why, and how they develop things, and they have the vision the whole time, and we're all trying to see it, and then when they get their first prototype or they get their first production thing, and we see it, we're like, oh, that's what you meant the whole time. Got it. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's cool. It's an, it's an addicting process as well. Mm -hmm. um, I just got back from Vietnam. And, uh, that's like, so cool. Cause you're, it's like a two day turnaround pretty much for a new pack. So, uh, um, no yeah, like, well, and it's even faster cause you could like mock up like a shoulder strap or something smaller in a day. And then, yeah, you can do a whole pack in two days and they're just so the operations there are incredible and it's just so fulfilling and, and addicting, like going from idea to pack. idea to pack trying new things and experimenting with new fabrics um it's awesome Oh, I bet it is. That, that's so exciting. I feel like I got to be like a really small part of that when I was messaging you earlier this week. You were actually in Vietnam at the factory tweaking things. yeah yeah and it, it it's really like allowed us to or allowed me to it, it like iterate on the pack a lot faster we did nine rounds of prototyping for the backpack. Um, and we couldn't have done that without me going to Vietnam in August. Um, and which is, and our product development cycle is a lot faster. And the reason why that's cool is I can incorporate a lot more recent feedback into the pack as well. So like, um, most brands, like their design is locked. like nine months a year before the winter starts yes um so the feedback they're applying is on like a two-year delay cycle and for me it's like jim ryan was using the pack in new zealand in september and october and his feedback is in the production version that landed in november and december um and so yeah that's that's a competitive advantage uh when you're a one-man company is you can you can move faster And yeah, iterate faster. I love it, Kyle. That's so cool. You're right. I mean, yeah, everything's usually uh, two years out from getting feedback, but uh, you can take it in in the same season. Yeah. That's Yeah. <laughs> very, very big advantage. And I was looking through your roster of athletes, and I know a couple of them. Uh, Pat Gephardt, Yeah. known from Western pretty well. And then Sarah Mack, we just did a, our Beacon Bash about a month ago. And she was there for uh, Aerie, had a booth there. Nice. Yeah. Um, they're awesome. Pat and Sarah, Thank you. I really, I really just wanted to bring people onto the team that I felt like were really technically respected within their community and brought a unique flavor to backcountry skiing and splitboarding and ski touring. So it's like Pat, you know, he, he like mixes alpinism and, and splitboarding in a like really, really impressive and elegant way. And, and Sarah, you know, is 
like on her way to become the first like female fully certified split board guide in the U S which is just like extremely impressive. And, and also doing a lot of work on like elevating the diversity of the sport. Yeah. She is fantastic. It's a beautiful backcountry community, isn't it? Like everybody. Yeah. Like two degrees separated somehow. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Oh, this is so fun. Kyle. I'm a dork for gear. I could talk your ears off and ask questions about, about everything. Well, I guess, um, next year, do you have notes for what you're going to potentially change? Adapt? I do. Yeah. We're gonna, um, we'll see like, uh, you know, what we update we're de- I don't know how much will be updated on the 40 liter pack, if anything, but we'll be coming out with some new models that, that will be change of packs. So, um, yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> I'm excited. Oh, that's so great. Um, so, uh, earlier we mentioned about price not being an option, but yet your pack price is less than some of the other ones out there. Was that like a, a, a plan or that just the way things worked out? Yeah. I mean, so for me, like when I'm designing products, cost is not a factor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 100% focused on building the best product for the category. Um, I, I put a lot of savings into starting this company. I would not risk any savings if I didn't think I was putting out the best thing on the market. And so a lot of other companies are doing cost engineering. Like when I'm at the factory, they like, I always, they're like, I'm like, let me see a mock-up of this, or let me see this, or do you have a fabric that does this? And they're like, it's expensive. Like, are you sure? And I'm just like, I don't care about costs. And they're like, they look at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) Um, And, but I, but there's one really interesting thing is I think when you look at the cost of a product, you're not necessarily like you're, you're paying for the cost of making that product, but you're also paying for the cost of the company that's selling that product. So you're paying for their marketing or their sales, their operations. And so while I'm not cost engineering the making of the backpack, I'm cost engineering the company. So it's a one person company. It's just me. And when you buy our product, like your money is going to the product. It's not going to like my marketing agency's retreat in Hawaii. <laughs> it's not going like, I don't have a marketing agency. Um, it's not going to sales reps who are like, um, you know, paying for fancy restaurants or like mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and that's how I'm able to deliver the product at, at the price point that I'm delivering it at. That's fantastic. It's like direct, direct to consumer. Yeah. But there's plenty of direct to consumer brands who are like, you know, you're actually paying more for their marketing, like their customer acquisition costs might be half, like might a lot of products, like the customer acquisition costs is the same as the cost of the product. So you're as, as the person who's buying the pack, like you're paying for their, their marketing, um, the eyeballs they're getting that aren't buying the pack. Um, yeah. If that makes sense. And you're paying for a lot of other things that make up a company. I think it's an interesting thing to think about. And I don't think a lot of people actually think about that. No, it, it's it's a very interesting concept for sure. And I, I get to see it in the background a little bit over here. 
I don't think most people think about it that way. They're probably just like, oh, there's this Patagonia thing. Um, that's just the way it is. Not thinking about the marketing or about, you know, trade shows and yeah. And it's like most startups, like they'd hire like an agency to build their website. And it's like I I hired someone in in India that was getting paid twenty dollars an hour to do my website. And it's like being creative part of the fun, fun aspect of starting a company. I totally agree. I like being lean and mean as well. And just for uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some some weekends I stay home and just uh tweak things on engagement and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. They'll have to tell me more at some point. <laughs> for sure. Oh, this is so fun. I, I had no idea you're gonna get into apparel and there's gonna be other potential sizes of packs. Um get your heart in the right place, man. And it's cool to see because the people who are talking about this are are like your ideal customers too. Like they're going out of their way to spread the word because the pack is awesome from everybody I've I've talked to. But also it's like just what people are looking for. And it's not overhyped. And like you said, you're not paying for a, a big company's marketing or anything. Very fair price to, at uh what, $399? Yeah. Yeah. For a Dyneema ultralight backpack that's adjustable and expandable, it's pretty badass. Yeah, I'm glad you think so. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, is there any parting uh, things you want to share with the audience before we uh, jump off here? Uh, good question. I mean, I'm happy to nerd out on any other gear in the category or like thoughts on backpacks, like, but uh, nothing more necessarily about Raid. I think we covered all of the all of the parts of the backpack and the company. And I'd say for everyone, like, stay tuned. We got a lot of exciting stuff. It's like I'm very passionate about you know, building uh, a brand around uh, like innovative soft goods for human powered sports, um, which is a hint that I didn't necessarily just say snow sports. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm really excited for what's to come and I appreciate everyone's support. It like means the world to me that now I was able to make a backpack and people are spending their hard earned money on it. It's not something I, I take lightly. Um, means a lot to me well i'm very happy to hear that and i'd love to do a part two or three however many it takes to uh showcase your new stuff with our audience yeah can't wait well awesome kyle i hope you have a fun awesome season thank you for your time tonight going over raid research um i look forward to getting my hands on one with uh in the backcountry here soon and um telling different listeners and followers out there appreciate you stay tuned for the next episode with kyle yeah, thanks for listening, everyone.